It's the e-commerce master plan podcast here to help you grow your e-commerce business faster and more efficiently by cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and guidance from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello, Master Plan World. It's a pleasure to have you all listening. I'm Chloe Thomas, the creator of the e-commerce Master Plan. I'm an author, speaker and consultant, and I focus on e-commerce business strategy and marketing. Happy New Year to all of you. In honour of the start of a new year, we're going to be cramming 10 episodes into January. That's slightly more than two a week. Why, I hear you ask? Well, because January is a great time to review how you did last year and work out how you can best improve on that this year. And I've put together a series of shows to bring you lots of ideas and thoughts on how you can take it to the next level in 2017. So welcome to our new 2017 e-commerce growth series sponsored by Vico, the number one inventory software. Coming up over the next 10 episodes, we have interviews with a fascinating set of e-commerce businesses, each of which will help you to work out how to deal with the key challenges that you all tell me about. Plus, we have some experts' points of view on buying a business, selling a business, starting a business, as well as tips for marketing in 2017. It's going to be a packed few weeks. So I have to give a huge thank you to our sponsors, Vico, for enabling this series to happen. So Vico is the number one inventory software. It allows you to sell across multiple marketplaces such as eBay, Amazon, Magento, WooCommerce and Shopify. You can try Vico for free today at info.vico, which is vweqo.com forward slash e-commerce dash master plan. I'm really excited to bring you today's special guests. We're really lucky to have them on and a massive thank you to our recent guest, Greg Smith of Thinkific, for the introduction. So let me introduce you to them. And that's right, we're going plural. For the first time ever, we've got two people on the other end. So everybody listening, wish me luck. And this might be a bit of a long episode because there's going to be loads of great content to share. So Catherine Lavery and Alan Brower are the co-founders of Best Self Co. It's an online only e-commerce business that started by selling just one product and is now, 12 months on, just about to branch out into the digital content area. The product is a daily planner to help you optimise your day and there are two reasons I'm really excited to have them on. Obviously, I'm a big fan of planning and goals, as you all know, so it's great to be able to bring you this, especially right at the start of 2017. But far more importantly for all of you than that, they've just won the People's Choice Award in the 2016 Shopify Builder Business Competition. Their website launched on the 1st of January 2016, and as we record, they've sold over 28,000 journals globally. And by the time you're listening to this, we reckon it'll be over 100,000. Hi, Catherine and Alan. Hey. Hey, Chloe. How are you? I'm good, thank you. And thank you so much for coming on the show today. I know it's going to be a really good one. Um, I've just given the listeners a really quick overview of, um, of Best Self Co. How did you two get started off in e-commerce? Uh, well, we sort of started uh, a business together on Amazon originally, but I had a Shopify store previously, so we I knew e-commerce a little bit. And then, to be honest, this product started as a passion project between us both. And then we went to Kickstarter to sort of fund the whole thing. And then, of course, we moved to Shopify for our e-commerce platform after. So it sort of started organically, even though we were doing something else on Amazon and just sort of exploded from there. Oh, cool. And, um, and that... That Kickstarter 
crowdfunding start off that you did was that research was that was the primary driver for that research or money or audience because i know people have lots of different reasons for getting involved with that um, yeah, well, Catherine and I actually wanted to build the journal for ourselves because we we had a structure and a framework that we wanted to use, uh, and we showed some friends they were interested in it. Uh, so we looked into manufacturing this completely for our own self interest, uh, but the cost was outrageous to produce a small batch of of like one off journals. Uh, so that's when we decided maybe since our friends want this. Maybe the general public wants this too. So that's why we launched the Kickstarter to get our first initial round of products manufactured. Uh, of course, in yeah. some ways, kind of like quite a selfish aim. I want this book. How can I get everyone else to want it too? So the price becomes reasonable. Exactly. Yeah. And we didn't have the money uh, to just... Uh, we also hadn't validated the idea. So if you're going to print 5,000 of something, I mean, that's a lot of a lot of journals. So we really wanted to validate it instead of just printing it and hoping that our friends would buy. We use Kickstarter as validation that people actually wanted this tool. And then we could, we could make it and not have, you know, a garage or basement full of journals that we couldn't sell except to us. Yeah, and, and, and ironically, given that books are made of paper, they're actually quite hard to light a fire with. So, you know, even, <laughs> even the firewood value would not be particularly there for you. Okay, <laughs> cool. Let's be going off a totally random tangent, but there we go. So, when you when that kick was the, I'm guessing the Kickstarter was very successful for you. Uh, yeah, yeah, our we were actually funded within uh, 28 hours. Whoa, that's that's yeah. pretty unusual on those platforms, isn't it? Um, it I is. It is, but we we just prepared a lot in advance, so we didn't just turn up to the Kickstarter and expect people to fund. So we planned three months out, you know, exactly how we were going to launch the Kickstarter. And then Alan and I set, you know, our, our funding goal was fifteen thousand. That's how much it would cost for like a small initial run, basically, which was very small. And then from there, Alan and I had a personal goal that we'd never told anyone until after the Kickstarter. <laughs> Actually, we told a couple of close family members that laughed at us but our goal was 200,000 in the kickstarter and um we that was just what we wanted and or that's what we were going for so uh i think we hit 322 almost 323,000 in the kickstarter so it ended up going above and beyond that but i think the night that we hit 200 was a friday night and i remember calling alan and just telling him and it was just like I slept so well that night because it just felt like, oh, we, we did it. We actually hit the goal that we planned three months ago. Uh, and then another another $100,000 came in on top. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And then they were like, oh, we've got to do quite a, we've got to print quite a lot of these. <laughs> we're going to be doing a lot of postage and packaging. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then it was like, oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> then the real fun begins. Yeah. So, um, so I guess had you you'd obviously planned that crowdfunding very very well had you then also planned out right if we hit this goal what we're going to do next in terms of building the e-commerce store for future orders and to make the most out of that pr or was it kind of like a oh my word we've just done over three hundred thousand dollars we this is a goer we better think of a way to bring it to the market in a more normal fashion so we ended so I don't know if you've ever run or if your listeners ever have run a Kickstarter campaign. I assume all, not. <laughs> okay. 
all you do during that campaign is focus on that campaign. That's all you focus on day in, day out is just getting more people to the campaign, funding it, spreading the word, doing interviews, the whole thing, trying to get as much funding in this short amount of time as possible. So as soon as it ended, since Catherine and I were sprinting full speed for 30 days, we crashed. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we crashed so hard right when it ended. Um, but then it, once it's we like an up, adrenaline rush for 34 days or something. And it's just the two of us. So we're just running, running, running. And then it ends and it, you just, it's like you're hungover or something for a couple yeah. of days. You just have to regroup. Um, anyway, sorry, Alan, continue. Yeah. Uh, no, that's it. So to answer your question, we didn't have a plan o- about like how we were going to move forward until after the campaign ended and after we like picked ourselves up, dusted ourselves off, and the dust settled. We're like, okay, now what? Yeah. Well, one, we've got to print a lot of books, but but what's the what's the next step? Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and it's actually funny. The day that we ended our Kickstarter campaign, it was either the day that we ended or the day after. I forget. Uh, Shopify launched their sixth build a business competition uh so naturally we ended on a high note on kickstarter uh and we crushed our goal internally Mm -hmm. we said all right what's the next goal that we can set for ourselves well let's win this competition so it just teed us up Yes, it's like, right, we need another big goal oh hello shopify thank you very much (laughs) that one will do nicely (laughs) Exactly. And we, you know, the, the mentors and just the prize seemed so amazing that we were like, this is the next goal. And to be honest, uh, I, the chances of actually winning were, were low because there's so many, there's like over 50,000 applicants, I think, this year. But I think, you know, best case scenario is we win. Worst case is we still do everything that we can and have a great store anyway. So there's not really a lose situation. We just were like, okay, this is the next sprint sort of thing. Um, so I think... That's maybe September of 2015 when we really started jumping into e-commerce pretty much within a few days of when we ended the, the Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. And um, just for those of you, though, those who are listening who haven't come across the Shopify Builder Business Competition, could one of you just quickly explain the key points to it? So every year they run this Build a Business Competition Shopify, which is an e-commerce platform. They do it to tr- sort of kickstart people into actually starting a business and at the end of, you know, I think a year or 10 months or something, they go by the sales of, so there's five categories now. There's four, I'm not actually sure exactly what the categories are, but so there's four based on purely the sales and you have to have started within, you know, the year you kind of had a brick and mortar store and then go online because then you still had a previous business. So it's starting a brand new business from scratch um, that didn't have any online presence before. And then it's the sale, it's based on sales of those new companies. And then what we won is they, they took, you know, the highest sales just below those categories and they picked five people and then they basically did a vote off of, okay, now it's going to be people's choice who of these high revenue stores are actually going to win. So a bit like going back into a Kickstarter again but on a popularity contest. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, cool. Well, um, so right now you're, you're, uh, you're based in the U S quite, quite clearly from your, from your accents and everything, but are you selling globally yet? Uh, yeah, we, um, actually 
set up after our Kickstarter, we had a lot of European people. So we actually set up a UK fulfillment center and shipped from the UK for that. And then we just recently moved to the Netherlands. So now we have a Netherlands and a US fulfillment center. So we ship worldwide. And we're also in the middle of opening up an Australian fulfillment center so we can um, ship to our Australian customers so they don't have to pay so much for shipping. So we've done, we're, we're doing a lot. Mm-hmm. We're, I think we're in uh, 81 countries that we, uh, that we ship to. Wow. And um, was that, you know, back when you were thinking about your prepping and planning the Kickstarter, was the global perspective something you were looking at? Or was that kind of like, a, oh, my word, we've got demand in the Kickstarter from overseas. We better take this seriously. Pretty I much. Think it, yeah. I think it was the latter. I think it was like, um, oh, wow look at all these customers that that are overseas um let's do everything we can to facilitate them and and make it easier to get uh our products in their hands yeah and sorry carry on cat and so one of the things was you know if, if we're shipping from the u.s they pay the shipping is expensive and then they pay customs and stuff so we wanted to ship from the uk so that customs was already paid and the actual cost for shipping was a couple of pounds. Um, So that was really what our goal was. So we can get as many people using the journal and, you know, helping them as possible. And I guess when you're part of a competition like the Shopify Build a Business competition, you're also going, well, we need every sale we can get. So we'd be crazy to limit this to just the US. Oh, totally. Absolutely. Okay. Well, um, Clearly, you're on the Shopify platform and clearly you're doing very well on it. So are there any kind of key widgets or plugins you can recommend to the listeners? Uh, So one thing, one uh, sort of grouping that we use is uh, we use a lot of the bold apps. Uh, A a lot of the bold apps which allow for uh, reoccurring payments because we do have a, a, it's almost like a continuity uh, product where you need to purchase one every three months. So we actually lower the cost if you sign up for a subscription. Oh, nice. Um, Bold helps us do that. Uh, I deal with a lot of the the email, lead capture, that sort of stuff, and nurturing of prospects and turning them into customers. Uh, Two platforms that I like for that is SumoMe, which allows very beautiful lead capture boxes. integrated with uh clavio which is our email service provider uh, one which i'm hearing increasingly larger amounts about and much more you know hugely positive things about it seems almost these days if you've got a shopify store and you want to do well you've got to get some of um some of clavio on the go yeah, yeah. Really, <laughs> that was really definitive cool. i like you both yeah. Go, yeah definitely no it is <laughs> it, it's really interesting how because we were actually using active campaign prior to clavio or clavio however you pronounce yeah. it um I and clavio uh, but i i was on the phone with them and they pronounce it clavio so i don't know who knows <laughs> who knows <laughs> who knows it's good <laughs> exactly so uh i was actually using active campaign prior to this to monitor and tag and track all of our customers and and put together automations uh an active campaign is very good uh but there's just this way that clavio integrates with shopify that just like makes your life so much easier yeah and it's it's weird so yeah yeah weird in a good way 
Cool. And um, obviously, when you were going through the crowdfunding, there was just the two of you just flat out making sure that happened. What does your team look like now? What's what's in-house? What's outsourced? How many of you are there? Uh, so we have we just brought on a an operations person. Um, actually, we had one previously, but that was more of a contractor basis. And so we brought someone in full time. So it's kind of the three of us as a team. And then we also have uh, contractors, like someone that helps us with paid paid media, someone that a couple of VAs, um, and then and we can't forget our customer service team. They're, yeah. they're like the backbone of our business. We actually have two customer service uh, managers who, well, one customer service manager, one customer service associate who works underneath her. Uh, and they literally let us yeah. breathe. <laughs> breathe for real. We didn't hire them soon enough, unfortunately, but they're both USPS <laughs> ones, uh, in New Jersey, like Alan, and then the other is in uh, California. Oh, cool. So you've got that kind of them working in the cloud as it were. Yeah. yeah we actually all of our team is remote, which is, which is really nice. And um, you said you couldn't hire them soon enough on the customer services side. Was it, I, I know a lot of companies feel like they can't, um, you know, let go, a lot of owners feel like they can't let go of the customer service at, at an early point in the business, or then they get stuck between, should I outsource it? Do I hire someone? What do I, what do I do? So you, you mentioned there was a bit of a delay for you guys in doing it, or you wish you'd done it sooner. Could you think, talk a little bit about that decision process? So after the Kickstarter, of course, we had 6,500 customers <laughs> and um, you go from zero to launch. And so we didn't hire someone and actually handled it ourselves for months because everything was kind of in our brain. So and mm-hmm. more specifically, probably my brain, unfortunately for Alan, he's like, what's going on here? I'm like, oh, I, I don't even know how to explain it. Um, so yeah, it, we didn't systematize quick enough because there were so many moving parts and also the Kickstarter is a one-off sort of event, not a, whereas the store would be much easier to create systems for afterwards, but the, the Kickstarter is, you know, we're dealing with the manufacturer and then it just felt like hiring someone for that role at that point, which we should have done in retrospect, just seemed like too much work with everything else we had going on at the time. So we actually handled customer support for way too long and then the two people that we have now you know I, so in case you hadn't realized like alan's the marketing person and i'm more the product design person so mm-hmm. whenever i'm dealing with customer support it would just take up my whole day where you know if i get an angry response from someone that hadn't got their stuff yet i'd be like oh my god and then i wouldn't be able to focus on work so i think one of the things i would tell other owners to do is to to outsource the stuff that's not crucial because there's so much opportunity cost for taking that time. And someone else can also deal with customers better than you can. Um, Alan could probably speak to that. (laughs) Yeah. You don't want me speaking to customers. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm a little... (laughs) Alan's just more brash than maybe I would be sometimes. And I'm like, Alan, I'm going to deal with the customers from now on uh, just because... (laughs) You know, sometimes you have irrational customers and, you know, if it's the 20th email Alan's dealing with at 10 p.m. on a Thursday, it might not be the best time to be emailing. So I think finding people, and I, I'm also not great either, um, it's just finding the people that actually, you know, they actually like dealing well, with people and, and, and talking to people and helping people. 
Um, and both of us, you know, that's not our key thing if we want to work on the actual business side of things, which is the most important thing. Yeah. So what, so just to dive a, a little deeper, what was happening with customer service was we were spending so much time in the weeds on a daily basis uh, that we couldn't see the horizon for where we wanted to take the business because we were dealing with the day-to-day. And as soon as we brought on this cus- this customer service team, it allowed us to step out and focus on the future of the company and where it was going and how to get there as quickly as possible. Oh, yeah. I, it's It's such a a big step isn't it and it makes such a big difference to the business and I think I think you're both completely right in that there is a certain type of person who is amazing at customer service and if and and the patient has the patience of a saint um you know the the caring nature as well and some of Mm -hmm. us me included are just not cut out for that Um, (laughs) I I would I would be like Alan someone would be would be removing me from the um from the phones if I was doing that It'll be what the third person who doesn't know where the buy button is. How do you not know where the buy button is? I probably yeah. should, shouldn't be admitting to that on the podcast, but there we go. Um, we've talked a lot about about the business and the structure and what you're up to, but you we met. I mentioned in the intro that you're moving into digital content, and what's the what's the thought process behind that, and what's that going to look like? So one of the things with the self journal is we cre- we created this tool to allow people to sort of set a goal, break it down, and know what they have to do every day. But there's advanced strategies as far as productivity and why we designed it a certain way and just everyday stuff that we can't put everything into a journal. So we're actually creating a productivity course for the people that want to learn how to optimize their day even further and really, you know, save hours in their week by, you know, some of the different stuff that we talk about, sort of free their mind of, you know, the fog that sort of fills up throughout the week and then just general things that's been working for us and allowed us to move so quickly um, in, in a short time. Oh, excellent. And then, um, and that's going to be kind of an online video, et cetera, course. Exactly. Uh, nice. So, so people can really, really supercharge their use of the best self journal to take them to another level. Yeah. And the journals built around a, a specific framework, but like Kat, Catherine said, there's only so much that we can fit between the two covers. Uh, but we've implemented productivity, performance, and positivity throughout our entire lives, which include relationships, health, uh, business, obviously, um, and just overall well-being, and we found ways to tap into the, the highest potential with the little, the smallest amount of input. So that's what we share with people. Excellent. So um, I guess the, the the big question I need to ask you next is: What do you think is the most awesome thing about your business right now? And are you in agreement about what it is? I think what I love. And sometimes, you know, sometimes we all have days where things aren't going as planned, but then I'll get either a Facebook comment or an email from someone that was like, oh, I just lost 20 pounds in the last three months because of your journal. Or uh, some guy wrote last week saying that he was making more in three months than he had in the entire last year with his business and stuff like that. I'm like, okay, now I'm raring to go. Uh, So so it's that type of stuff that really drives me for sure. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That that's one of the biggest benefits of, of doing this because I I've come from a place where, you know, I I wasn't 
getting the my maximum or tapping into my maximum potential in life. And once I did, I created this journal with the help of Catherine. Uh, now we offer this, what I use to get the most out of my life to other people. And it's like helping them realize their full potential. Awesome. I love that. Um, so I guess the, the, the one question I, I'll get shot by the listeners, metaphorically speaking, <laughs> if I don't ask you before we move into the top tips is what would be your kind of key advice for anyone who's thinking of embarking on the 2017 Shopify Builder build a business competition yeah so there's if you set that as a goal and remind yourself daily like all right this is a goal and actually Catherine and i did this Catherine created a poster for both of us to hang in our in our home offices reminding us best self co will win the shopify build a business competition with a picture of the mentors and a picture of oheka castle which is the gatsby mansion where we stayed for a week uh and we also sent uh, text message reminders to ourselves on a daily basis saying, Hey, best self will win the Shopify build a business competition. Now go crush it. Uh, so we got reminded day in and day out that this was our mission, what we wanted to do. And I think if you keep reminding yourself that you're going to focus on the, the things that are important to get you there. With that being said, it's, it's sales. Number one, so how do you improve sales? Well, you increase your customers, you increase the cart amount, or you increase the frequency of purchasing, which is, or you can increase all three, right? So Catherine and I would monitor these metrics on a daily basis. What was our average cart value yesterday? What was our conversion rate from cold traffic? Uh, how much did we spend in advertising? Was it a positive ROI? Was it a negative ROI? We monitored this day in and day out. So when something was off or when something was on, we knew how to monitor it and either fix it or double down on it. Yeah. So we like, we know, okay, the, the conversion rate was done like 0.4% or something. It's not a big deal, but we always know. And then if it's done so much, we're like, okay, something going on with the site. And with my, I had another Shopify store. I never looked at any of this stuff and, you know, didn't really work out so well. So I think just knowing your numbers and knowing exactly how much profit you're making with things and, and how much it costs to get someone onto your store, that's something that I never did before. And it's been, uh, it's just been awesome. And I actually love not knowing all the numbers. So that kind of the single-minded focus of this is what we've got to achieve. These are our KPIs and just every single day focusing in on that. Yeah, absolutely. Makes it sound so simple. Um, <laughs> or not. <laughs> I also it's think another thing was to create something that nobody else can can sell, whether you brand something else with your own brand and create your own experience or create something that really solves the problem for people. Um, something that we did, so even though we finished our Kickstarter in September and we wanted to launch our Shopify store, we actually spent like three you know two to three months putting everything together so we actually create our own theme for shopify wanted to create our own experience that the customers would see when they went onto the site and so that took time but i think it made us stand out more than you know if we just kind of set up shop with whatever which is actually what i've done before and it's totally fine but we that was sort of a goal that we had where we wanted to create an experience that went with the brand and went with the product and I think that really helped as far as, you know, getting conversion and really telling a story th throughout your brand. Mm -hmm. I can I can see why that would be essential for a product like yours, because it is, whilst it is 
physically a book it's actually an experience and it's something that people are going to live with day in day out and the more of that you can get across in the theme and the content of the website the more likely people are to convert i would have thought this e-commerce growth series is sponsored by vico vico is the number one inventory software vico allows you to sell across multiple marketplaces such as ebay amazon magento woocommerce and shopify you can try Vico for free today at info.vico.com forward slash e-commerce dash master plan. Vico is V-E-E-Q-O. So that's info.vico.com forward slash e-commerce dash master plan. Okay, well, I think we need to move on to the, the top tips round, uh, which is a section I love because it gives me and our listeners some really quick ideas for taking our businesses to the next level. So the book top tip, if everyone listening to this podcast agreed to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better, which book would you recommend? For me, I'd say The E-Myth Revisited. It talks about um, why you shouldn't be the technician in your business and, and basically how to set up systems and roles for people. So that was, I wish I'd read it earlier. It is a classic, isn't it? It really is. Um, mm-hmm. And and it makes sense when we're talking about your um, the customer service bit we were talking about earlier on as well. Okay. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, I'll, I'll share my book. Oh, it's yeah, called please the do. One Thi- it's, it's called The One Thing. Uh, I believe uh, Gary Keller and Jay Papazan wrote it. Um, it's It's all about finding out what's working, focusing on that, and really being true to yourself about what's not working and just eliminating it or outsourcing it. So two very, two books with similar endpoints, I feel there. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, the traffic top tip, which marketing method do you either prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves? I mean, Alan, this is more Alan's thing, but Facebook is pretty much what we're using right now. Yeah, uh, I would say Facebook for sure. And is that the, uh, the paid side, the retargeting side of things, or just the the pages? Um, paid side. But what I also think is undertapped and underutilized, even if you have a small business of maybe a couple hundred customers, create a Facebook group for them to all come together and feel a part of something bigger than themselves. Uh, Catherine and I have have uh a, a both an open community and and a, a like a vip community and the people who just come in and talk about what they're experiencing when they're when they're going through our products and going through the the 13 week experience uh they start helping one another they feel a, a connection to a group because they're all on the same mission to create themselves to make themselves better than they were the day before uh it's really really powerful uh, and this is where we heard most of the testimonials that Catherine mentioned earlier in uh, the show. Uh, we we wouldn't have heard that otherwise if we didn't have this community. Uh, excellent. I'm, I'm a big fan of the Facebook group, so I'm really pleased you mentioned that one too. Uh, the mm-hmm. tool top tip next there, maybe a collaboration tool, a social media plug in a phone app or just a way of working. Is there a cool little tool other than the best self journal that you use that makes you and your team more efficient day to day? Slack, for sure. Uh, it's a communication tool. That's basically how we communicate all of the time. And we didn't have that when we did our Kickstarter. And now I, I don't know how we lived without it. 
Slack is critical for our business. The other way that I communicate with my team when I'm on the go or if I just have like a, a thought pop in my head is a tool called uh, Voxer. And that's like an uh, either an iPhone or an Android app. And you literally just talk into it and it's like a walkie talkie. And now your team can either listen in real time or listen to the recording. And it just allows you to like brain dump really quickly a message or a thought or an idea or a task that you have. And uh, it allows them to quickly pick up on it. It's just seamless communication between you and your team. I actually only started using this recently because I saw when we were at the Gatsby Mansion, Alan turned around and he like talked into his phone. I'm like, what are you, what, what is this? And he's like, oh, I have my VA on Boxer and I, I just talking to my phone and things happen. And I'm like, I need to get that. <laughs> it's great. Well, there's an, a couple of awesome recommendations there. Um, now, next is the startup top tip. If you met someone this weekend who's thinking of starting an e-commerce business, what would be your first tip for them? just talk about the the pain point or the benefit for the user of what the product is not really the features of of because i think that's really the starting point of everything and really making it clear on your website that what the user is going to get from this so it's kind of you know like a gym membership people don't really want to go and like exercise it's like oh i want to look good um so what are you really selling people mm-hmm Mine's more mindset focused, so it has nothing to do with like the store or the products or the advertising, but more like you as being a small business owner. If, if you're starting something, you have to commit 100% to it and don't give up. People give up so early uh, when things aren't working out right or if your manufacturer screws up something or if uh, sh- customers are coming out with pitchforks because your shipping's delayed or something along those lines. People are so easy to throw in the towel. Just know that whenever you get through this hard spot, it's going to be so much easier the next time around and it, the rewards are so great. Oh, well, two more excellent pieces of advice in the top tips there. Masterplan World, you can find the top tips and links to everything else we've been chatting about in today's episode by heading over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash 83. Catherine and Alan, before we say goodbye, could you please let the listeners know where they can find you and your business on the web and social media? So me is just, uh, well, it's bestself.co is our website. Um, Personally, my Twitter name is Catherine Lavery. It's pretty original. And uh, I do a personal blog at littlemite.com. That's pretty much it. Yeah, you can find – we post regularly on our blog about what we're doing with our business. So you can get an inside sneak peek uh, about that at bestself.co. It's on our blog. Um, I blog personally about uh, marketing, psychology, and my personal experiences as an entrepreneur at alanbrower.com. And obviously, you can find us on both of us on social. Excellent. Well, I will add links to all of that and everything else we've been talking about today in the show notes. Masterplan World, you can find those at ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash 83, or just head over to the website, click on the podcast tab or use the search box. Thank you both so much for being on the Ecommerce Masterplan podcast today and for being so generous sharing your great experience with us. Thank you for having us, Chloe. Thanks so much. 
How much fun was that? And how much did we get from that? I mean, such great tips there about how to kind of, they really do practice what they preach on the focusing in, when they, which they did through the, the um, crowdfunding campaign, which they did then when they went for the Build a Business campaign, and which is, of course, what their product does. So I think uh, a great way for us to kick off 2017, really focusing in with some, some e-commerce winners and those who have a great product for helping us achieve what we want to this year. If you've enjoyed the start of our 2017 e-commerce growth series sponsored by Vico, then please do spread the word to your e-commerce friends. Whether you do that on Twitter, Facebook, over a coffee, over a pint, or you fancy going and leaving a review on iTunes, I really don't mind. It all helps spread the word and helps more people get this great content. And make sure you join in the conversation in the e-commerce master plan world Facebook group, which you can find via ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash Facebook. Next time, which is just a few days away, we'll have the second of our expert shows. If you missed the first one, then head back to episode 82 to hear their thoughts on 2016. But coming up, we have their answers to what you need to do in 2017 to be successful. Have a great week, everybody, and keep optimising. Thank you for listening to the e-commerce master plan podcast. Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com. 